Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. And just as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of God be lifted up. For whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is your part. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the Son of God. And this judgment, the light that has come to the world, and the people, they love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Everyone in America has a Bible. Now you might think, oh, maybe they're Muslim or maybe they're Buddhist. There's still a Bible because they have the internet. There's still a Bible because they sleep in hotel rooms. And what's always in the bedside table? A Gideon's Bible. Everyone in America has access to a Bible. And that's the most amazing thing that we have access to ever. So what's holding us back from knowing what's exactly in it? Now, I know that all of you went to some sort of a Sunday school education, and you know that there's more just beyond John 3.16. But to be honest, if I asked most of us and most of America to quote past one verse in the Bible, they wouldn't be able to. Although this has been known to be said as, the gospel in a nutshell. So if you're going to know any verse in the Bible, you should definitely know John 3.16. Let's say it together one more time. Whatever version you know, we're just going to garble through it. You ready? For God so loved the world, and he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. It's an amazing verse. It has so much in it. So much in it. The American history revival epic person, Billy Graham, always used this as his Friday sermon in every single revival, starting from the 1950s all the way until his very last words just a week ago. He preached John 3.16, and he always wanted to preach that one because it was so prevalent. It was so important, and it preached literally the whole Bible just in that. He says that the favorite scripture was taught to him when he was a little boy. Before he was 16, he had heard his grandma telling him, God loves the world. Whoever believes in him may have eternal life. It's the gospel in a nutshell. It's something so simple. It's something so easy. It's something so rote, so memorized, so inside of us. And it shows up in the oddest of places, doesn't it? It's on the bottom of an in-and-out cup. I remember when I was in college, I was playing flip cup with one of my friends. And so we, we were flipping the cup, flipping the cup, and then all of a sudden it landed, and John 3.16 was like staring at her right in the face. 
And she's like, why did they put an expiration date on the bottom of an In-N-Out cup? That doesn't make any sense. I said, oh my gosh, wow. I need to tell you about Jesus right now, girlfriend. And so I told her, it's not an expiration date. It's a Bible verse. She's like, how do you even know that? I said, wow, we have not been friends for very long if you didn't know that I was a Christian. Or I was doing something that wasn't so great. So it's in the bottom of In-N-Out Cups. Uh, there was this famous uh, football player, you guys know, Tim Tebow, and he always would put John 3.16 on his eye black. And there was a famous game, I think when he was on uh, in professional football, he like threw 316 yards and like all of those things. It was like four different things happened. They were all 316. And he's like, well, I don't know. God could have been. I don't know. Maybe somebody messed with the stats, but that was kind of weird that everything landed on 316. But when we come up with this idea of what John 3.16 really means, like it's something so ingrained in us, and I don't know if this happens to you, it's just kind of rote and it's memorized and we kind of forget about it. We move on from it. But it actually hearkens a lot of questions. Let's walk through a couple of these. John 3.16, God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son. Why did he give his son? Because God loves the world. But what does it mean for God to really love the world? Does God love evil people? Mean people? People who don't know that God exists? People think that God only loves them? If you do enough evil, can you exhaust God's love? You see, the answer is in the question, God loves the world, but it makes us keep on thinking about new questions. So why does God love the world? What motivates God to love the world like this? What does God get out of it? And then John continues on and he says, because God is love, which is an answer, of course, but you see that this just brings on more questions. And we in our Presbyterian faith, we actually love questions. We're not all about learning all of the answers. There are some Christian traditions that are all about learning the answers so that if somebody comes up to you and you are asked a question, you have the perfect answer and the perfect Bible verse to go along with it. That's one style of doing things. But I like asking questions right back to them. Because I have questions, I don't know it all, I'm not God. And so it's this idea and this tradition of asking more questions and then we get deeper into it. And as we get deeper into it, we understand more about the mystery of who God is in our own lives and we can better articulate that. And again, God is mysterious, isn't God? We will never be able to know all that God is. So it's not so simple as just flashing out a Bible verse to somebody. We've got to know really what it means. And we've got to know what it means to us and then keep on asking those questions. So we can, we can go on and on about these questions. And one of the things that I was really wondering about is this idea that we are all sinners. Now, I mean, Lent is here, right? We're in the middle of Lent. We've got three weeks before we get to Easter. And I actually, I sit in Sunday school classes regularly with kids, and so we ask these questions like, oh, who is Jesus? You know, simple questions like that, right? And there's always these one kid who says something like, Jesus died on a cross for our sins. I said, that's great. That's a great answer. Also, I'm wondering why that's like where she's landing, okay? Jesus died on a cross for our sins. What does that mean to an eight-year-old? Okay, so we move on to this idea that Jesus loved us 
so much that he would die on a cross for our sins. And we as Presbyterians, we like to land on the other side of things, that he rose from the grave, that he conquered sin, and it's an amazing thing. So this idea that we come, as we come towards Easter, that we live into this, we celebrate this holiday called Good Friday, we really lament on our sins and who we are and how it is that we are the sinful type of a person. And I don't like sitting there. I don't like sitting in that kind of sin. But recognizing that we all do it and that God did come for us, that is something that is freeing. So we're all sinners. That's Christianity 101. We get it. We're moving on to that. But when we read this scripture, we often think of that as a dividing line. That whoever believes that they're sinners and has proclaimed the gift of God is for them, we use that as a fence to mark out in front of us to separate us from one person to another. And I don't think the scripture should be read that way. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that there's some sort of retribution and God is in charge of judging who gets in, who gets out, and all that business. I'm not in that business. I'm not in that business. And we shouldn't be in that business. But I do know that the scripture says that whoever believes in God will have eternal life. Now, we can read that as whoever believes in God will have eternal life. Or we can really read that as whoever believes in God will have eternal life. You see that one way we read it, I'm reading exactly the same, it's the exact same words. If we read it one way, we think of it as a barrier. If we read it as another way, we think it as opening. Let me bring you back to the Old Testament. These people were Jewish, and they thought that there was a dividing line between us and them. Us and them. We kept the rules and the regulations. We're Jewish. God called us. God loves us. And you are them. And so when we learn that God came for not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles, we read that as a layer over this scripture. And so this would have been absolutely revolutionary for people to hear. God loves you and you and you, everyone. And so it's not just this cool kid club that gets into heaven, this cool kid club that gets to reap the benefits of God's love. It's whoever. It's so revolutionary that not only Jews, but also Gentiles would be able to have that. And that's why we're sitting here now. So why do we put up fences when we are the ones that were allowed to get in there in the first place? God loved the world so much that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Jew, Gentile, Slave, free, rich, poor, it doesn't matter. Sin is the great equalizer. Okay, so we're all on the same playing level. And we get to be called by God. So who is this world that we're in? So I bring us back to Billy Graham because I, I love the man. We have a lot of theological differences, but I think he's also on the right track. And I think when he says the word whosoever, that's the crux of the gospel in a nutshell. 
It's the crux of it. And I didn't really understand this until I was actually digging a little bit deeper and I found a parable. You know that Jesus always spoke about parables and I love the gospel of John because there's a parable after parable because I don't understand things just like we all don't understand things. And I think we need to dig a little bit deeper and always telling a story is a wonderful way to go. So we tell this story. God has always struggled to communicate with people. Remember that one sentence? I don't know if you remember it from the very beginning of the scripture today. Just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, that harkens back to a symbol back when Moses and his people were walking through the wilderness and they were getting bitten by snakes, poisonous snakes. And so the people were complaining about this, obviously. So then... Uh, God told Moses to put a bronze snake statue in the middle of their camp. And so every time somebody got bit by a snake, then they would go hang out with this one bronze snake and then they would be healed of whatever their ailment was. And then they'd go out about their day. So you see, there's a little bit of symbolism here, by the way, that's where the medical symbol gets it. Have you ever seen the medical symbol with like snakes wrapped around it? So you were not healed. And so you'd go look at the snake that was bronze in the wilderness and you'd be healed. Anyway, that's an, that's an aside. So the, It says, just like the snake was put in the wilderness. So if you were not healed, you would go to the snake and be healed. Just like you were not healed or you were a sinful person, you would go to Jesus and be healed. Anyway, lots of symbols, lots of correlation. One of my favorite parables comes from 1957. I think I'm like older than I actually am because I hang out in the 1950s a little bit more. But there was this great radio announcer and he was just trying to understand like a way to get to the story of how and why God would come. And again, this isn't answering all of the questions, but it definitely made me understand a little bit more about why God sent his son, who God sent his son to and what it means for us today. So listen up. This is a story of a man, mostly good, just like you and I, but he didn't believe all that stuff about Jesus. And so one day, they're in the middle of the Midwest, and the snow began to fall, and so they went, he went to the window, and he watched the flurries get heavier and heavier, and then he went and sat in his armchair just to get cozy, read something, and then he heard a thud, Thud, thud. He looked out the window, he didn't see anything. Were those snowballs being thrown at my window from some teenagers? No, there were little birds. The flock of birds huddled so miserably in the snow, he could see them as little black pellets amidst a very white driveway all of a sudden. They had tried to, throw, to fly through his window because it was so clean, I don't know. And he couldn't just let those poor creatures just lie there. And then he remembered, I have a barn outside. Again, the Midwest, right? I have a barn outside. That'll be a very warm place for all of these little ducklings to be. So he quickly put on his coat, he put on his galoshes, and he trampled through the the snow all the way to the barn. And he opened the doors wide, and he opened up the light, and he said, the birds will come in. He just waited. And he waited and the birds wouldn't go. He figured food would entice him, so he went back into the house, and so he got some breadcrumbs, and he laid them all out, and he said, please, come, 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 come. And he waited, and he waited, and the birds didn't come. So he tried catching them, so he tried hurtling them and getting them to come, and they would just scatter away from him. 
He tried shooing them into the barn and waving his arms, and he realized, I am just too big. I am too scary. I am different than they are. All I want to do is get them into the warm, lighted barn, and they won't go. I am strange, and I'm a terrifying creature, perhaps. If only I could think of a way for them to know how to get in there so that they would know that I'm not trying to hurt them. I'm just trying to help them. But how? How would I do this? Any move he made tried to just frighten them. And then he thought, if only I could be a bird, and then I could mingle with them, and I could speak their own language, and I could tell them to not be afraid, and I could show them that there was a way for them to be safe and warm, and they could see and understand for themselves. And then at that moment, he realized that God so loved the world that he gave his son. Amen? Amen. Amen.